Father, we thank you that in, in days like these, when we don't exactly know where we're going, when maybe we feel a little bit overwhelmed, and maybe we feel like we don't have direction, that we're able to incline our ear to your voice, to trust you as our good shepherd, to know wherever you lead us is going to be good because you are good. Father, I pray that you continue to teach us how to open our ears to hear your voice over and above all of the other voices that we hear around us. That we would be able to recognize you when you move and that we would follow behind you. And that that, that willingness to be faithful would just build up this trust within us that more and more, day by day, we find ourselves uh, with a new confidence uh, in who you are and where you're taking us. And so Father, we ask your blessing upon the rest of our gathering here this morning. We give you permission to move however you see fit, to speak to us however you want to speak because we're here and we're listening. We pray all these things in the strong name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You can be seated. Welcome everyone to City Beautiful Church. Um, I have a few announcements for you, but before we get to that, um, we're going to continue on by, in worship by taking up tithes and offerings. So if you see in the front three rows, I might need some help um, to get those. You'll see these baskets. We're going to be passing those baskets in just a moment. You can also go to citybeautiful.ch slash give on your phone, and you'll be able to give through that. And um, just a little report on our finances. We've been talking about it a lot recently um, because we, we kind of started a little bit slow this year. And um, in, in the month of February, we hit our mark, our, our new mark for our new budget um, every single week, practically. So we came out, it was 5,600 a week. Um, we, we hit that practically every week last month. So praise the Lord for that. It's amazing. So we're still about $4,500 short of where we should be for the year, but I believe that we can close that up, um, you know, pretty soon. So those baskets are going to be coming by. You can give that way. During community time, we have two boxes right next to the pillars on either side of you. So you can give there, and of course, you can give online. That's a really easy way to do it, and you can hit it up for reoccurring. Uh, so a few announcements. If you go to citybeautiful.ch weekly, you'll find all of our announcements and the pertinent links and everything. Um, the first is we're really excited this week. Uh, Robert and Leslie Acevedo had their baby. His name is Ezra, and he is beautiful. Um, if you remember, gosh, maybe four months ago, we were praying for them because um, Ezra wasn't developing in the way that he should, and he had fallen uh, from about the 50th percentile in terms of his size, which is, you know, pretty average, to about the 25th. Uh, and so we came together as a community. We laid hands on Robert and Leslie, and we prayed. Uh, and within a week, he had bumped up to the 40th percentile, and he's a beautiful, healthy baby boy. Um, so we're really excited to have him uh, as part of our community. So um, what we really want to do for the Acevedos over the next couple of weeks is be able to provide meals for them, whether you want to cook something, you want to send something over. So you can go onto the weekly, you can find the link to sign up to send meals. But let's really love them through this time of transition. Uh, and of course, continue to pray for their family and, and Ethan. Ethan has been an only child for nine years now, so he's got to adjust to a baby, but he's going to be a champion. It's going to be really good. Um, we have a couple really great events coming up this, this month. Uh, the first one is Saturday, March 11th. Um, our very own Kristen Blommel is going to be doing a workshop on uh, Myers-Briggs, which is a personality typing system. So we've been talking a lot over the past year about how do we gain language for the way that the Lord has wired us so that we can learn to steward our personalities even better and really be who he's calling us to be. And so Kristen is a certified Myers-Briggs specialist, and she's, she's going to be doing this workshop from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., 
on Saturday, March 11th, and it's free, um, but we want you to sign up for that so we know how many people are going to be coming. So you can sign up no later than March 8th, and again, the link is there on the weekly. Uh, and then March 24th and 25th, we're having our second annual Putting to Peru event. How many of you went last year? Okay, so we have another team. This will be our fourth team going uh, to visit our partner church in Lima, Peru uh, in June. And so they're doing this fundraiser where they're going to clear out all this space and they're going to build these absolutely ridiculous uh, little, little golf courses throughout this whole area, like a putt-putt golf, like crazy golf thing. Um, and I'm already excited about hearing some of the ideas they have for it. They want to step it up from last year. If you guys remember, Garrett gave us the game of life, which took about 25 swings to get through. Uh, there was a Harry Potter-themed one. There was a dragon. There was, it, was, it was wonderful. So that's going to be March 24th and 25th. It's a suggested donation of $5 entry, um, but of course you can give more, and all of that is going to be going towards helping them um, with their Peru trip. And it's just a really great time for us as a family to come together and enjoy something. So those are our two main events coming up for this month. You can find all that information on the weekly. So I'm going to invite you all stand up. Um, say hello to someone that you don't know yet, and um, we'll be back in a moment. Good morning. Hello. Happy allergy season. Anybody else? Anybody else on that train? Well, hopefully that ends real soon. We'll pray at the end today for a release of allergy symptoms. Well, like a purging of, not, yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, so, so good to see you. My name's Cole. Um, we've been in a series uh, where we're talking about God's pursuit of us and our pursuit of him. 
and we're going to keep on doing that. We've been going through the book of John, and uh, we will be in John chapter 5 today. So excited about um, discovering what is there for us. So let's uh, pray quickly. God, thanks uh, for your presence here with us. Um, God, I pray for each of us who are uh, walking through allergies, God, that you just uh, take that away, that our bodies would uh, work in the way they're supposed to work, and that all the sneezing and coughing and runny and voice stuff would just be relieved for us today. Um, any other, God, just sickness of body or spirit or soul, emotions, God, today, that you would come and um, just wrap us up in your goodness, wrap us up in your love, God, that today would be a, a day of goodness for us, a, a day of healing, God, that your kindness would just flow over us in a special way. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, when I was going into ninth grade here in Orange County, um, Florida, um, we're not in California. I don't know. They like stole our county, right? Um, one of the things like before going into ninth grade, like you have required physical education classes. So a lot of people take PE, I think, still maybe. Before you go into ninth grade, anybody? Is that just me? I don't know. All right, so that's what I did. I took PE summer school before going into ninth grade, and uh, it wasn't necessarily really PE. Like, uh, so one day, the baseball coach came and got a bunch of us from our quote-unquote PE class and uh, said, hey, we need to move some bleachers. So probably nine or 10 guys were like picking up these steel bleachers and carrying them overhead from one side of the baseball field to the other. And at the time, I wasn't thinking this, but I look back on it and think, is this like approved PE classwork, like lifting bleachers? I guess it is, quote, like, you know, technically physical activity. So we're, these nine or 10 guys are carrying these bleachers, but like one of the sides is sagging closer to the ground. And it wasn't my side because I'm short. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> There, I look over and there's this guy who's like kind of not even really touching it anymore. His name was Robert. And I was like, Robert, like pick up the bleachers. And he says to me, I'm not an athlete, I'm an academic. And I said, well, let me scientifically explain to you the effects of gravity and heavy steel falling on us. So... I didn't really say that. Had I been that witty of an eighth grader, eighth and a half grader, it would have been great. But, uh, you know, I look back on that story now. In the moment, I was a little frustrated with Robert, but I'm so grateful that Robert knew who he was. And I don't know what Robert's doing today. Maybe today he's, like, sending the SpaceX rockets to space. I don't know. That'd be really awesome, though, if that's what he ended up doing. Uh, but Robert knew who he was. Like, he was totally fine just being a guy who loved to study stuff. And uh, that is a beautiful example of something that we talk a lot about in our church is like knowing who God has made us to be and living into the fullness of that. As we're already delving into the stories of my childhood and analyzing them for the things that I need to learn about myself, uh, we're going to go back a little bit farther to fifth grade. Oddly enough, another guy named Robert not sure what it is with guys named Robert, but I got stories about him. So if your name's Robert, we need to hang out so I can get some more stories. Uh, Robert was kind of like a frenemy. You've probably had some of those in elementary school, middle school, where like you'd hang out at their house all the time, and then you'd hate them. And you wouldn't see them or talk to them for like 
half a, half a school year, but then you'd become friends again. For some reason, it was that. I think for some, part of the reason of that was Robert and I were kind of like always in competition for the same things. He, he beat me in this debate competition, not debate, this speech competition. I talked about space. He talked about Band-Aids, and he won. I don't know. Anyway, another thing in Orange County, um, Disney, Walt Disney World gives a, a, uh, an award to a fifth grader in every class. Um, do you know about this award? Yeah. Hunter, were you? A dreamer and doer? So they give these awards called dreamer and doer awards. And I'm not really sure what that means to a fifth grader. Like, I want to be an astronaut and... I draw them in art class. Like, what does it mean to be a fifth grade dreamer and doer? Anyway, I love the concept of that, that the dreamer and the doer. Because we, you know, we in our church talk a lot about who are we? Who are we becoming? But there's also this other side to our faith, and not just like knowing who we are, but actually stepping in to doing those things. That our faith is a beautiful combination of continuing to be formed into the people that God has called us to be and is creating us to be, and then we step into doing the things that are associated with that calling. And as we step into doing those things, we become more of the people that God has created us to be. And then we do more as we discover more about how we step into a greater level of our calling. And there's this cycle of doing and being and so today, as we look at John chapter 5, I want us to ask this question, how does the way you live your life testify to who you are? We talk a lot about who we are and who we are in God and who we are as children of God and who we are as the redeemed of God. But how does what we do, how does the way we live our life testify, give testimony to who we belong to? In John chapter 5, we're gonna see Jesus talk a little bit about this idea. He's gonna talk about the source of true power. He's gonna talk about the source of true authority. And he's gonna talk about kind of three ways that we perceive power and three ways that we talk about authentic and authoritative testimony. There's a couple stories in here. There's a story where Jesus, Jesus heals this man at a pool called Bethesda. And we're gonna get to that. That's what opens up John chapter five, but we're actually gonna start toward the end of John chapter five in verse 31, because this is where Jesus starts talking about authoritative testimony. What makes our testimony authoritative? What makes what we say about who we are true and real? And I love how he starts it off talking about the testimony of self, what we say about ourselves. It's a really short verse. John chapter five, verse 31. If I, if I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. If I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. Of course, what Jesus says about himself is true. I think what he's talking about here is when somebody says awesome stuff about themselves, the bar is really low. We can say all we want about ourselves because we have a lot invested in people thinking we're awesome. 
And that's why our testimony about ourselves doesn't mean a whole lot. There's this phrase in our culture, fake it till you make it, right? And so we just say good stuff about ourselves or we talk ourselves up a whole lot until we actually become the thing that has a little bit of proof behind it. And we just try to fake it till we make it later on in John chapter five, verses 43 and 44, Jesus is still talking and he says, I've come in my father's name and you do not accept me. But if someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe since you accept glory from one another, but do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Do we fall for people who talk really highly about themselves? Even more so, do we fall for the, own, our, our, the story we tell about ourselves? Do we allow the awesome words that other people say about themselves or do we allow the awesome words that we say about ourselves to become the totality of our identity and ultimately not really amounting to much at all? The problem with fake it till you make it is that we're really never going to arrive. And if you're living your life built on the foundation of something that isn't real, your whole life will be a silhouette of something that could be real. Our theme for this year is loving community for bold exploration. This concept that we, if we are truly people who are growing in depth with God and growing in the things that he's called us to in life, it means that we will always be explorers. We'll always be moving forward. And we'll never arrive because there's always more to discover about an unlimited God. We're never going to arrive, so we can't fake it till we make it. So we want to live lives of authenticity, having an accurate assessment of who we are and what God is doing and where we are and how he's continuing to transform us and the pieces of our lives that we're still opening our hands to, to say, God, this needs to be rooted out of me. This needs to be changed in me. This needs to be redeemed in me. We can't be people who build our lives on the foundation of pride and just puffing ourselves up all the time. Pride actually destroys the awesome stories we have to tell, but humility gives them life. So we can't be people who just walk around hoping that our prideful stories about who we are will convince people that we're awesome. Because as Jesus says in John 5, 31, if I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. He then moves into kind of this second piece of testimony or this second type of testimony, the testimony of others. John 5, 32, he says, there is another who testifies in my favor and I know that his testimony about me is true. You have sent to John, John the Baptist, the one who came before Jesus to prophesy his coming and he has testified to the truth. Not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it that you might be saved. John was a lamp that burned and gave light 
and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. And what we see Jesus saying here is you believed John for a little while until he started pointing at me and it became clear really what he was talking about. And then you stopped listening to John. In this verse 34, uh, not that I accept human testimony, it's not that Jesus is discounting the testimony of John. Like, the testimony about Jesus through the, the lips of John was beautiful. But again, Jesus is saying here, that's not the ultimate form of testimony. Your reputation, while important, is not a true testimony of who you really are. It's really easy for us to manipulate or uh, for other people to kind of give a piece of the story of who we are. It's totally different having someone talk about us than it is someone encountering us. But our reputation in some ways is important. In Luke chapter two, it says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus enjoyed the favor of the people and there was something significant about how Jesus was postured in the eyes of other people. Later on in Acts, after Jesus ascends and the first church is living and figuring out what it means to be the church in Acts chapter two, they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. There's something beautiful about our reputation, and there's something beautiful about what people say about us, but it's not the true testimony of the totality of who we are. Um, I'm doing a show right now, um, A Few Good Men. It actually began as a play, and I'm doing that play right now, and um, today is our last show, actually, and so, uh, I have developed a really good friendship with our director in the show. And after uh, the show last night, one of our mutual friends came up and, and said, hey, Donald uh, told me that I was going to be really excited about tonight and that the show was really great and that uh, he thought that you were doing a great job. And I was like, yeah, well, I wish he'd come, you know, tell me that from time to time. Um, but being able to receive that, like Donald's testimony uh, about about you know, our participation together from a mutual friend was really good. But there's this other half where like Donald really, reg I wasn't gonna say his name, but that's his name anyway, uh, re like regularly gives me a hard time about how I interact with like some of the people in our cast and crew. Um, it's a really interesting environment and I could talk about it for a while, but I'll just leave it at that. He gives me a hard time about this other half where it's like, Okay, so the, like, the full picture of who I am is not just this like, really great thing that he said about me. Like there's other things that he knows about who I am because we're in personal relationship with one another that because he honors me and we have a good friendship, he's not like walking around and talking to other people about. But Donald, because we know each other, knows kind of this larger picture of the totality of who I am. Whereas a lot of the other people who are just coming into our theater see you know, this glimpse of coal. But because we know each other, there's this other piece of who he knows me to be and that he as a friend can help me walk through and help refine and help call out in me. And there's a difference between just the testimony of someone and actually getting to know someone, which leads us to the third piece of testimony that Jesus is talking about here. So there's the testimony of self, which doesn't mean much at all. There's the testimony that other people have about who we are that maybe means a little bit more 
But Jesus brings it down to this idea, the testimony of a life lived demonstrating the love of God is a life that is a testimony of true authority. It's not what we say about ourselves. It's not what other people say about us. It's a life lived demonstrating the love of God that is a life that is lived with true authority. Our demonstration of love is the foundation for a life of true authoritative testimony. We can say all we want about ourselves and other people can say great stuff about who we are. But talk is cheap, and a life of love is really, really hard. So in verse 36, Jesus continues talking. I have a testimony weightier than that of John. I have a testimony weightier than that of what someone else would say about me. For the works that the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I am doing testify that the Father has sent me. And this is the beauty of it. It's not just that the works that Jesus is accomplishing make people think that he's a really great guy. The works that Jesus is doing, birthed by the Father, are a reflection of the one who sent Jesus. The life of love and power that Jesus lived reflected back to the Father. It wasn't about Jesus puffing himself up. It wasn't Jesus doing awesome stuff so that people would think that he was awesome. It was Jesus living out the call of the Father on his life. And in return, it directly reflected back to his source. Yes, be and do Yes, do and be. It's not enough for us to live this life of like self-talk and self-motivation. We have to be people who not only say we believe that we are children of God and full of power and loved by the Father and his ambassadors and full of the power of the resurrection and life. We have to be people who believe that about ourselves and then live it out. And in living it out, become people who believe it even more. And then in believing it more, live it out in increasingly tangible ways. James chapter two, two verses, verse 18 and verse 24. But someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. We are always looking for magic formulas to make life easier. We are always looking for the secret and the key to getting out of doing the work in whatever field it is. I, uh, I've talked a couple times in my last several messages about like startup culture and I mentioned Y Combinator and it's all these people who are trying hard to like make a product and sell it and see, it, see how it can be 
uh, become successful. And you know, as the internet does, like it spies on you and it knows the things you listen to and it knows the things that you watch and it knows the things that you read. So my Facebook feed is now full of these like quote unquote business people who are trying to sell you the way to make your thing work. The, the one simple key to making a million dollars in the next 300 days. And it's like, yeah, okay. And here's the thing. The reason those ad works is because we all want it. We all want the one simple key for us to be able to do the thing we really want to do, right? But that's not life. And that's not faith. We do not have one simple key for making it all right. Yes, Jesus is our answer, but what does that mean? <laughs> In my experience, life with Jesus actually becomes way more complicated, <laughs> not way easier. Jesus is not the one simple key to getting all of your problems solved. Jesus is the one who comes in and walks with us through the difficulty of doing the work that is a life lived out. Jesus is the one who is our comforter in the midst of pain. Jesus is the one who is our friend when we feel alone. But Jesus is not the button that we push that makes everything okay. Jesus is not the one who says, all right, I've, I've checked the box of faith and now I can just go about my life. It's no like, I've checked the box of faith and I'm in life with Jesus and now I gotta live it out. And that takes a lifetime. But that is the source of true authoritative testimony. And when somebody looks at your life, they can hear you say over and over and over again, I am a child of God and I am, a, I am God's and, and I follow Jesus and I'm a Christian and I go to church. But none of that stuff means anything if they don't feel like you love them well. And I point the finger back at myself, this is not like me standing up here from a place of having all this figured out. But this is the journey of life and this is the journey of faith and this is the journey of living into the authority that God has placed over our lives. When it comes down to it, we have to stop wasting time shaping other people's perceptions of us and just get to the work of doing good. We have to stop managing what people think of us and live out the call of God in our lives. This is like the end goal of so much of advertising in our culture. So much of advertising in our culture is to say, the world would be better and your life would be better if you came and got this thing and paid money for it and integrated it into your life. Well, we all know that's not true, but we fall for it over and over and over again. But wouldn't the world just be a better place if the billions and billions of dollars that are spent on advertising every day were just put to making the world a better place? <laughs> right? I, I, I love like the pregnant opportunity that exists inside of that idea. That instead of just trying to like prove to everybody that we're awesome, we just started living out the things that God has called us to live. I'm gonna play this video, it's six minutes, it's long. Like that's hopefully just six minutes. 
I mean, it is for me to stop talking for six minutes in the midst of a 30-minute sermon and give six minutes to this video. That's what I'm saying, compared to the 30 minutes that we're... All right, anyway, <laughs> know that it's six minutes as we start to watch it. Don't be like looking at your watch. Um, but okay, so there's this guy. His name is Casey Neistat. Maybe some of you have heard of him. Um, he does a bunch of stuff on the internet. But he started out making shows um, and was pretty successful commercial, commercially making uh, making some, some stuff for television. And he just got sick of all of it. He's like, I've got to refigure out my life and I got to reposition my life. And he started making these videos and they started getting traction. So brands started to approach him and say, hey, we'll give you lots and lots of money to make like cool viral commercials for us. And, uh, and so uh, a, a movie studio approached him about making a commercial. And he said, you know what, like this idea of, I can try to make a commercial that convinces people that your movie is gonna be cool, but why don't we just do something good with it? So let's watch this video. So yeah, we can say a lot of awesome stuff, but there's something really powerful in doing things. And that's how we got to this conversation in the first place. This conversation where Jesus is even having to talk about testimony. It all started at the beginning of the chapter, and I'm just going to read this story to you. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is, is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been on, in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me to the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, if it, it is the Sabbath, the law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was for Jesus had slipped away in the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. And what do we see in the story and the subsequent conversation and the things that Jesus says is that true power born out of action threatens people who hold positional power granted by titles. And that's why this whole thing with people in power hating Jesus started. Because those people had titles and those people had somebody else told them, tell them that they were worthy to hold a position. And those people thought a lot of themselves but Jesus had true power demonstrated through action 
and it threatened the people who only had something that looked like power. Jesus had true power, and Jesus' testimony was true because it was born from the powerful action that flowed from God's love in and through him. This is the story of like every underdog story ever. Any the Newsies fans, right? David and Goliath, the karate kid, like the guy who's supposed to win doesn't win and the other guy does because he's got a power source that's deeper and truer and more authentic. And somebody else has found their power in a title And because of that, they haven't done the hard work or the necessary thing to really discover what it means to endure or press through or rise up. But the person who has struggled has gone through the process of understanding what it means to have a testimony that's authentic because their objective was never about puffing themselves up. Their testimony was always about fighting for what was good and true and right. And that's what God has called us to, and that's who God calls us to be. Our current perception of Jesus is a guy who is really amazing. But the perception of Jesus in his day by a lot of people was really low, and a lot of people wanted to kill him, and a lot of people hated him. Because he was a person who lived not to please others, not to prove that he was awesome, but to demonstrate true power by living a life of significance. And so those are the people that we're meant to be. Um, I wanna pause here and end by asking um, a couple of you to come up and share a story of someone maybe in this room who you have seen demonstrate the character or love of Jesus in a very tangible way. And I recognize that like this is like that second one, like giving testimony about someone else. But we're not just asking you to give testimony about someone else to say that they're awesome. I would love to have somebody come up and just share about somebody else in the room that has demonstrated in a very real and tangible way um, the love of God um, that demonstrates this third component, like a life lived in love, demonstrating the love of God for other people. So, someone come and give testimony about how you've seen someone else tangibly demonstrate the love of God. Hey, Ben. Yeah, yeah, no, no, you're absolutely right. I know, I know it exists. And, I mean, obviously we have this, like, story of Jesus making a man walk who didn't walk before. It doesn't have to be that story. (laughs) Just the story of God's love. Great. How are you? Good to see you. Thanks for being the brave one. Who have you seen demonstrate the love of God in a tangible way and how? Um, I have demonstrated I have seen demonstrated the love of God, the love of Jesus in this young man right here. Oh, okay. Well, that's why I asked for this to happen. (laughs) I know him from when he was a young man, a young boy, teenager in school. 
He was uh, a friend of my daughter's, and they both, um, I think, worshipped and, and served God and grew as Christians in a church, First Baptist Church of Orlando. And I never, ever believed that this young man would be such a, a God-loving Jesus freak, <laughs> the one that I've seen grow. And his mom and I sang in a choir together, and I never thought that this young man that my daughter would talk about, call this and call that, and, and his brother, his bigger brother, um, would be a man that would is so ordained, so so on the money to talk about Jesus the way he does. And I am so proud that I have been able to see that in my life. Hmm. It just, it's just such a blessing, such a blessing. You guys don't know him the way, uh, maybe some of you know him better than I do, but um, to see who he's grown to be is just a beautiful gift. Thank you. Thanks, oh my gosh. Thank you. Well, wasn't expecting that. <laughs> so beautiful. That means a ton. Thank you. One more. Yes, not about me. <laughs> who have you seen demonstrate the love of God and how? Okay, so my husband, Brian, who's here in the room, he... Um, you should he, wave at us. Hey, Brian. <laughs> he just loves God so much. And um, he, um, well, he spends every morning, gets up at 6, and he spends an hour, hour and a half with the Lord. Um, it's emotional talking yeah, about <laughs> how God moves through people. Which is so good. <laughs> it's the point, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, a while back, he made a decision to um, try to start a spiritual conversation with someone, a stranger, mm. every day. Mm. So... Um, almost without fail when we go out to eat. I mean, this is just an easy picking, but um, he talks to the waiter or waitress at the end of the meal and says, hey, I just want to let you know that I'm a Christian, and um, I wanted to express you know, that to you and ask you if there's anything you would like me to pray for you about, and they're always stunned. Without fail, they're just, oh, um, they always have something that they want a Christian to pray for. And um, he asked their name, he asked what it is, and he said, now wait, you have to tell me something that when it is answered, you know that it's God. So they talk about their grandmother being healed, or they talk about something that's really deep. It's not like something shallow. And so he just um, lives a life for his family and um, his friends. Um, out loud to God just by um, expressing Jesus to strangers wherever he goes. Oh, so Thank good. You. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that example, too. What a beautiful testimony of, of love and action. One more, Abby. Hi. Okay, so I'm kind of in this process of where I'm kind of relearning what Christianity is mm -hmm. because I feel like when you grow up in it, you kind of like, kind of, I don't know, it just kind of becomes background noise to your life and you don't really know what you're doing after a while. You're like, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I guess I know who Jesus is. And you just, it just becomes like white noise. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the things that I've been like reincorporating into my life is just like simple prayer for things. And 
I know that's this is really this is just kind of putting me on the spot for like how much I'm not very or how not good of a Christian I am. But anyways, um, when he asked us to talk a, or testify of somebody who loves in action, the first person that I thought of was Rob Cochran. Um, <laughs> and he's just like, I don't know him very well, but since the day I've like met him, he's always been a, a dude who's just like automatically um, in action for what he believes. And um, this morning, um, my roommate, uh, David, he, his wallet's been lost for like, I don't know, two or three days. And uh, Rob just like prayed. He's like, Lord, help me find my friend's wallet. And then he ended up finding it. Um, and I, like just simple stuff like that where you're like, you don't, I think there's just like a, a simple thoughtfulness that comes with being a Christian. And when you're like continually like, you know, just talking to the Lord and like genuinely looking um, for ways to love the people that are immediately around you. I just totally see that in Rob. Um, so yeah. <laughs> love it. I love that. That phrase, a simple thoughtfulness. So good. Um, yeah, and it can be that. Like so simple. So simple. But how powerful were those stories today? How, how beautiful were those? Like what did it do inside of us? It did something different. Like those testimonies of, of power and demonstration did something different than just like hearing somebody talk about something or hearing someone tell you what you should or shouldn't do. There's something really powerful in that. So let's stand together. I'll pray over us and we'll sing a few more songs. God, thanks for, um, for each of the people in this room today. Um, thank you that we're all invited to live a life that demonstrates the power and beauty, care, kindness, love of who you are. Let us be those kinds of people. God, inspire us to be people of action who believe all of the things you say about who we are, but go beyond that into doing what it means to be those things. Fill us with your kindness today.